Hello and welcome to today's episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers Markwell changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women make sense of investing. She regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women and others to take charge of their financial future. Now, join your host, Platinum Wealth Management President Jennifer Rogers Markwell as she leads us into the world of money memories, money infidelities, and how these can mold our relationships relationship with our personal finances as adults. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, and thanks so much for joining us on today's Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. I'm Jennifer Rogers-Markwell, and today I'm joined by Sammy Wonder. Thanks for having me. So tell us all about you and why you do what you do. So where do we begin? I am today a dating and relationship coach specializing in helping high-achieving women find and keep amazing love. And I'm terrific at what I do, if I may say so myself. Um, But if you were to go find me on the internet, you'd see the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of client success stories that have come out of my work. But what is interesting is that I wasn't always a dating and relationship coach. I am a trained economist um, with a master's in public policy. And I made the biggest career transition that you can possibly imagine for Indian parents. So I come from India and my parents were shocked when I dropped the bomb on them that I am going to be a love coach. And they were like, you're going to be what? (laughs) love coach and they're like oh there's a profession called love coach and we thought you'd be a banker we thought you're going to be working for the United Nations which I was doing before I made the transition and the reason why I made the transition was two reasons the first was my own personal struggle with men in relationships you know I've always been an A-type woman I am an achiever I am ambitious you know I wanted to get somewhere in life And I was having a really hard time dating and I couldn't understand where I was going wrong because on paper, I was a good person. I was well-educated. I was reasonably attractive. And there were women around me that I felt like, you know, they weren't that industrious. They weren't even that attractive, but they were having it so easy in love. And it was driving me mad. I'm just going to be honest about it. Like It was driving me crazy. And I just kept blaming the men, Jennifer. Like I just said, you know, the guys are intimidated by my success. They don't like, they can't handle a woman who's like driven and wants to make money and be ambitious. Till I met the man who I thought was the perfect fit for me. And he was celebrating my success. He could handle an opinion or two. And he was actually excited about my, you know, ambition and my career plans. And then two months down the line, the same pattern repeated where, you know, he started to withdraw and then slowly the effort reduced and the conversation reduced till he was gone. And I remember waiting on him for like 10 days and then sending him a text saying, hey, is everything okay? Even though in my belly, I I could feel like it's not okay. (laughs) Of course, it's not okay if somebody's not talking to you for 10 days. And then he sent me a message saying, you're a lovely girl, but I don't think I'm willing to go further in this connection with you. Wow. 
And that was like such a humiliating moment for me because all my life I felt like I worked to build my respect. I worked so hard to get my degrees, to be recognized for, you know, being a hardworking woman. And then somebody could just come in, you know, drop that bomb on you and just sort of make you feel like you're worth nothing. And that was the night I felt like I'm going to give up on love. Like this love thing is not for me. I'm going to focus on my career because that's what I can control. And then next morning, I remember waking up and just going, no, that's not you. You don't give up. You figure out where you're going wrong. And that was like the biggest pain in my life, but that also became the biggest gift because without that gift, I wouldn't have dived deep into understanding romantic relationships. I wouldn't have met my husband of over 10 years, an amazing man who adores me, the father of my two beautiful kids. And a man who like literally, um, you know, cherishes me and is so devoted and loyal and celebrates my success. And so I believe that was the biggest turning point in my life that brought me to where I am today. And I very quickly realized, you know, Chris proposed to me nine months into dating. It's been amazing ever since. And I realized I wasn't the only person struggling. There are millions of women like me out there who are working so hard in their careers. And yet when it comes to their romantic life, their love life, dating, relationships, marriages, they are struggling. And, you know, I remember how much pressure I used to put on myself to figure this stuff out by myself because there was some shame involved in in asking for help. But I asked for help back then. And today that's what I do professionally. So that's the second reason where I told my parents, you know what, I'm not the only person that's struggling. There are millions out there struggling. And I learned something that changed my life. And I want the women out there to know what I learned so that they can implement this and create these kind of changes in their life. And what do I say? There's been no looking back. Um, I've been in the industry now for nearly 10 years. I have built a multi seven figure a year business and eight figure love coaching brand. Um, and we are known in the industry for results. So I have helped over 900 women by now attract empowered, healthy relationships and partnerships and help save so many marriages and uh, relationships and, you know, elevate them. So I think um, I am living my life's purpose today and there's no greater blessing. That's fascinating. Well, first off, thank you so much for sharing, but fascinating because I resonate with so much that you're sharing. So for me, I had never been married, right? And focusing on my career, worked in television for 20 years, you know, transitioned into, you know, finance, trying to help my grandmother make sense of investing. And along the way, I was like, okay, my grandma is going to be, you know, my, my family's number one, making sure they're good. Everything's taken care of focusing on my career path. Those were all big priorities for me. But where do you put in? And granted, I dated people when I had, you know, longer term relationships. But at the end of the day, I was like, I don't have a spouse. Like I've never had, I've never been married. And I was, you know, in my late 30s at that point. Not that that's an age that you have to get married by any means. But for me, I knew there was something that was still missing. That I was still missing my, my puzzle piece there. You know, I feel like I had it decently figured out for me. But then like I knew that there was a bigger holistic picture there. How, I mean, gosh, like I imagine there's, like you'd said, hundreds and hundreds, potentially thousands of women in this situation. 
what what can you share with them or what's a secret sauce? Obviously, in chatting with you, of course, figuring that out and getting folks on track. But like that puts you in a mindset of of you're in a tough place at that moment. And like you had said, you don't know who to go to or what to do or how to navigate. Like, what do you do? Okay, so I'm going to introduce a simple idea here. Love feels very personal, and that's why it feels hard. You know, when you fail repeatedly at love, you know, for different people, failure means different thing. You know, for some people, they can't even, some women, they can't even get the first date or meet the first guy that they like, that they would like to go out with. For another woman, it's like, you know, something develops, I meet something nice, somebody with potential, and then it drops off at day three or four, like the effort like reduces or disappears completely. For some others, they get to the six month or one year mark. For some others, they have long-term relationships where they just stay girlfriends forever and they never get to wife. And then something happens and it doesn't work out. Now, whatever that sense of personal failure feels like, the thing is that it's not personal. You're just not skilled at romantic relationships. You haven't learned the skill of navigating dating. You haven't learned the skill of navigating long-term romantic relationships. And may I even dare to say, you haven't learned the skill of how to go from girlfriend to wife. Now, just like you wouldn't judge yourself if you sat in a car without having a driving license and then crashed into a truck, you wouldn't say something's wrong with me. Your brain would just go, oh, I should have skill upskilled myself first before taking sitting behind the wheel or you wouldn't judge yourself for sitting um, in a dance school and not knowing how to dance salsa because you were never taught that it is the same energy and the same mindset you need to bring to love if you feel like you've never got it right you've never been married it's never worked out for you nothing is wrong with you you just haven't learned the skills and this means If you can just upskill yourself, if you can just educate yourself on what it looks like to show up in dating as a healthy, empowered, high-value woman and to show up in a relationship as a woman who will not settle for the girlfriend status forever or be test-driven forever, your problem is going to be solved. And it's in my world, it's really objective because being objective changed my life forever. Like I met the man... I I met the love of my dreams and so have hundreds and hundreds of my clients. And so I think the biggest shift we have to make is to stop treating what feels like a personal failure and start looking at it very objectively and then do the thing that we're really good at doing, which is take action, educate ourselves, ask for help, do the study we need to study, educate ourselves, ask the right questions and start implementing that new information into our lives. I have created a six-step love success framework, which is the six pillars that I take all my Elevate clients into. Elevate is my six months group coaching program where we help, you know, high-powered women attract empowered, healthy men or heal their relationships. And basically, this six-step framework is the secret sauce, and it covers the six areas that we would like women to be educated on. Um, in order to help them show up as empowered in dating, in their love life, in their relationships. And we believe when a woman starts to implement this, the results are as quick as within four weeks. Like she starts to see that men respond to her differently when she is showing up differently by applying the framework. 
Yeah, fascinating that you say that because I feel like, you know, you're right. We learn everything else. We learn taking care of our bodies, taking care of ourselves mentally, giving ourselves self-love. But that's one area that you just kind of roll into. I mean, I feel like I was at the point in in relationships where I'm like, I'm just going to date. And I ended up with a blind date with my husband. It was one of those things that I knew immediately. And that sounds so cliche, like, but you had said you got engaged very fast as well. I met him. We were engaged two months later. We were married four months after that. So super, super fast. But it was one of those things that I knew. I knew every, every, every cell in me like knew moment in that moment that this was my person. So fascinating. And, and I'm sure there's so many women out there that are hearing this thinking, okay, I've checked the boxes with so many things in my life. Not sure how to navigate this one. Absolutely. You know, we dive deep into self-love, help literally small things like, you know, um, could you drive to my side of the town and make my life easier versus like driving to the guy and making all the effort. Um, so like learning to speak up, learning to stand up for yourself, uh, learning to say, you know, learning to receive versus just give, I think is high achieving women. We're so good at giving um, and, you know, I teach my clients how to stop over-functioning in their marriages and their relationships and dating and start receiving more because a lot of the women that I work with, they tend to attract men who are much more passive um, in the relationship dynamic or, you know, some women would even call lazy men. You know, if I didn't call, he wouldn't. If I didn't text, he wouldn't. If I didn't plan the date, it wouldn't happen. If I didn't plan the holiday, we wouldn't go anywhere. And so if you want to attract a partner, a man who is much more in his giving, doing, providing proactive energy, I teach women how to embrace their feminine energy. And this is not a sexist term. Both men and women have both energies, masculine and feminine. And what I found with myself, Jennifer, was that as a high achiever, I tended to be more in my masculine. Like I just... I'm just like, I can do so much. I'm so capable. I can give so much. I can fix so much. You know, my first instinct in any problem situation is I got this. I can fix this. And it's amazing to have this as a mother for me. It's also amazing for me to have this in my business, you know, to handle my team, to be the CEO. But when it came to my love life, when I was embracing the masculine in dating, Based on polarity and based on, you know, sexual tension existing between polar opposite energies. So if you're showing up in your masculine, then you're going to repel the more masculine giving, doing men away. You're going to push them away and you're going to just naturally attract more passive, more laid back men. And this is the thing that drives my clients crazy because they're like, I'm so capable. I want a man in my life who's even more capable or at least as capable as I am. And this is where learning about feminine energy, which is step number five of the love success framework, um, just completely changed my life. And till today in my marriage, you know, I out earn my man. I mean, I have an online business. People buy my products online overnight when I sleep. So there's no comparison with his job, even though it's an amazing job. And for the first two years of the marriage, I was a housewife and, you know, he was the provider. But then the dynamics just shifted in the sense that, you know, my business just completely took off and, you know, um, I am out earning him today. But even then, like knowing about feminine energy and embodying that girl energy in my marriage ensures there is 
passion, ensures there is the spark, ensures he sets up date, date nights, ensures that, you know, there's that physical attraction still there. So I think I just want every woman on the planet to know about the power of, you know, educating ourselves um, in in your love life. You know, you educate yourself in, on wealth, you educate yourself on investments, you educate yourself on what is what is a good cosmetic product for your skin. And you should educate yourself on your love life because I think it helps you up level in such a transformative, radical kind of way. Thank you so much for sharing. That's super fascinating. And I have never thought of it from that perspective. Well, so on our podcast, in addition to finding out about you, we also want to talk through money memories. What's a money memory that you had from childhood or younger years that really helped, you know, evolve and mold your relationship to money as an adult? I mean, I remember that I remember feeling poor as little as three years old. And I saw a broken teacup in the kitchen and I asked my mom, mom, why do we have broken teacups in our kitchen? Is it that we're poor? And she just said to me, oh, this is just an oversight. We're not poor. We have more than enough to live a good life. And it's interesting because today I run, I would I am a wealthy woman. I have learned to accept that I am a wealthy woman and I am deeply blessed. But sometimes that feeling of are we poor, you know, it still surfaces back. Like it still surfaces back that you want a Barbie doll, but you have to wait a full year for your birthday to come to get a Barbie doll. And today, I think how it has molded how that pain has molded my current reality as an adult is that I have really learned to not trust in the feeling of scarcity anymore. It's not that it doesn't arise. Of course, it arises because it's logged somewhere in my subconscious system. But I don't trust that feeling anymore. And I I trust in abundance and I have developed the mindset that if I am not feeling abundant, then I'm not connected with the truth because the truth is that we live in an abundant universe and we live in a generous and loving universe. And it's not about the money in the bank account. It's about how you feel about that money because so many times you can, like I, today I tell, you know, when I talk about money and often in, in my, in Elevate, for example, when we are talking to women about money, you know, a lot of us carry a lot of triggers around money. And I always tell them, you know, um, it's not about the money that's in your bank account. It's how you feel about that money. And there are people who have millions in their bank account and they feel poor. And then there are people who have 4,000 in their bank account or 2,000 in their bank account. And they live the best life because they feel safe with that money. And so practicing that safety, cultivating that safety, I think, from within myself without attaching myself to the number in the bank account has been the biggest gift from this painful child childhood memory. Yeah, that is definitely a common thread that I see talking to clients, right? Everybody has that money memory that whether they've got lots of commas, right, in their investment accounts or maybe not as many, but it's really that mindset of like that childhood memory that comes in that molds to where you are today. And, and again, many times you're changing the narrative as well. 
So for you specifically, you know, growing up with the teacup story, how did you evolve your your narrative yourself? So I took help, you know, I am not going to give myself the credit for all the wise words I say. I think there have been terrific mentors and coaches who I who have helped me on my journey because I remember um, when my company was um, making six figures and I wanted us to increase our impact and serve more clients and go to seven figures. This is like five years ago now. I just looked at my husband and I said, Chris, how am I going to work even harder to get to seven figures? Because I am already burning out at six. And this is where I think the money mindset work comes in. So today, like my calendar has never been freer and I've never been, I've never, you know, served more clients, right? So I think um, I'm going to give the credit to the coaches and the mentors on the way. And this also beautifully brings us back to what I said earlier, which is take action and educate yourself because you jump through that hurdle so much faster versus you having to figure this out on your own and waste precious years of your life, you know, trying to figure this out. And basically what I learned was that money and hard work have nothing to do with each other. I mean, there's a point where, you know, if I think creating a six-figure business takes hard work, a lot of hard work, there's no doubt about it. Creating a multi-six-figure takes hard work plus smartness. And seven-figure business is really just strategy and combined with mindset and energy, you know, like it's not about working harder. It's about leveraging your strengths. And at many times, you know, it brings even more freedom and joy. You know, in my case, like I am working way lesser than what I was doing um, at the start. I mean, it, there's still challenges. I don't want to make it sound like I'm walking a, the cans red carpet every day, you know, but uh, <laughs> there are challenges, but there sure. are types of challenges than they were at the start. Yeah, it's just a different scalability at that point, right? It's working smarter and scaling differently. Absolutely. So we transition into obviously money memories and to financial infidelities. And you and I talked briefly a little bit before this um, about that. And obviously that can mean different things to different people. What are some financial infidelities that you're open, either that you've experienced or others have that you're open to sharing? I mean, I would say that my clients experience a lot of financial um, infidelities and that is they get betrayed. They get like they are sometimes too naive with the way they are handling their money in relationships. And, you know, they will have bitter divorces where, you know, they lose their entire life's hard work to a partner who just married them for three months and then turned out to be toxic. And so I think a big tip would be for all the smart, successful women listening to this is like, don't be shy about signing a prenup. Um, I think it's one of the smart, it's one of the things that you have to be really objective about. And I still, till today, find that, you know, many women who make great money and are successful, they still feel a sense of shame about talking about prenups. They feel ashamed, like they're a bad person. They're not committed to the relationship enough if they talk about a prenup. And as a love coach for high achievers, like this is one of the big tips I can give that it is safe um, to safeguard yourself and your hard work. And a prenup does not mean that you don't love the guy. A prenup does not mean that you are, you know, predicting divorce and doom. 
a prenup is just a healthy way to go for somebody who's in their, you know, midlife and has created assets and, you know, financial wealth. And you have every right to protect that. So I think that is one thing that I, I have seen women lose a lot um, and it is not a pleasant experience. And for everybody I can empower through this conversation, I would say always think about a prenup. And if you're already in a marriage and already in a, you know, a situation where you did not sign a prenup, but you are becoming more and more and more successful, like have an honest conversation with your partner about it. You know, there are also options to do a post-nup agreement, you know. So in my case, I just want to be open. Um, you know, my husband, for example, doesn't want anything from my company or doesn't want anything to do with my uh, the wealth that I have created in this company, you know. And I find that, you know, even if we weren't, we haven't signed the document yet and we will, we are in the process of signing the document, but just the fact that my husband is a man of that level of honor, I think it just makes me fall in love with him so much more. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, you, know, just, you just like, you just see the person you are with and you just honor them and you just, you know, you just see the values that are operating in the relationship. And it just makes me want to cry because it's like, wow. That's the man I chose through my work. And that's the kind of partner I want my clients to have. I want the women I work with to have because it's possible to have that. Ironically, prenups, I've been having a lot of those conversations with both men and women, right? Coming from positions midlife, getting married for the first time or maybe not the first time, but really protecting themselves. And, and again, the hang up that you shared, so true, because they're like, well, maybe that person won't think I love them enough. Or maybe, you know, there won't be that trust going into the relationship. But I think it's really, again, just what we were talking about, really having that deep, honest communication across the board, no matter where you're at in your relationship, quite frankly, in the beginning, yes, a prenup, even in your situation, like how lovely and what an honor your husband's like, I love you for you, has nothing to do with anything else. And that's beautiful. Absolutely. And I think if tomorrow, you know, something were to happen, I think the good energy between us will ensure that, you know, it's, I think we will still be extremely generous towards each other. I think it's also the energy we bring into a prenup. You know, some people can be very uh, rigid about a prenup, you know, others can be a little more generous. You know, we can say, you know, anything I create beyond this marriage you know, we can share whatever I've created before this. I would really appreciate if it can stay mine. And I think it's also a great test for the partnership, right? Like if somebody gets really, goes really bonkers on you because they can't participate in your wealth the way they had wanted to, I think that's a red flag. A huge red flag. But being able to have those conversations and, and having someone meet you at the table with love, I think says so much. Absolutely. So have those conversations and protect yourself from that kind of situation. Yeah, I think that's very solid. So as we start to wrap up the conversation, what are tips and or tricks that you use to utilize money differently in your household? So we have a policy of no obligation around money. So we don't practice any obligation energy around money, which means that even though Sammy makes more, Sammy's not obligated to sponsor XYZ because it's Sammy's money and it's Sammy's choice. 
And so often I think women who are out earning their husbands and are primary breadwinners, I don't like that term because I don't think I'm the primary breadwinner. I mean, my husband makes great money. I just make more than him, but I wouldn't call myself the primary breadwinner for for any reason. Um, and that's because, um, you know, we we still share our accounts. Like he's as responsible for bringing up the kids as I am. He's as responsible for chipping for the holidays as I am. And I generously gift a first class flight or a business class ticket or a five star hotel when I feel inspired to, not because I'm obligated to. I think a lot of women are caught up in obligation and obligation is the slow poison in any relationship. Mm. And when you are not able to say no and when you're not able to check in within yourself, like, am I giving with joy or am I giving with obligation from obligation? Then what happens is you keep saying yes. You keep stretching yourself. You keep avoiding the conflict. And deep inside, you blame the guy. You, you resent your partner and you start to feel used. And I, you know, we have a masterclass on overgiving and how to release overgiving. I ask my clients, I tell my clients to ask themselves the question, if tomorrow this man were to leave you, would you say, oh my God, after all I did for him, he left me? And if you say that, then that's your warning sign that you're overgiving and you're overgiving from obligation energy. Now, Chris and I, sometimes it might upset Chris. Sometimes he might feel like I'm being unreasonable if I say no to like, no, I don't want to pitch into that. I know I don't want to do that. But I have made my peace with that. And so has he, because that is our energy. He's also not obligated to say yes to every women fancy that I have. You know, like I may say, I want you to gift me that $20,000 diamond necklace. And he might say, honey, in 10 years, for sure. <laughs> right now, no. Right. So I think our secret sauce is that tomorrow, God forbid, if something were to go wrong in my marriage, we are humans in our relationships. You know, nobody's proof, like foolproof to that. But God forbid, if that happens, I don't think I will find myself saying, oh my God, after all I did for him, he left me. Um, and I don't think he will say the same for me. I think that's what a healthy relationships, relationship looks like. We're not codependent. We love each other and we bring each other joy and we support each other. But nobody is supposed to be obligated. The only place we're obligated is taking care of our kids. You know, that's where the obligation is. And that's what is a shared responsibility. It's not one person's responsibility. Now, that's beautiful. And it sounds like both of you are sharing your complete truths with one another. Absolutely. Truth and transparency. Yeah, I love that. Well, it's been a pleasure to get to know you. Thank you for having me and asking all those amazing questions. <laughs> My pleasure. And hopefully those of you listening or watching will join us on the next Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Platinum Talks Wealth, please subscribe and share. For more information about Jennifer Rogers Markwell or Platinum Wealth Management, please visit www.platinumwealth.net. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC.
The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and their companies are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Platinum Wealth Management.